on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. to another edition of the Orient Hour here on Phoenix FM with myself Chris Hood with the O's first team not in action this weekend we've got your fix of E10 magic joining me in the studio tonight are Orient Chief Scout Steve Foster Leighton Orient Community Liaison and Leighton Orient Trust Club Liaison Howard Gould the legendary Dave Victor we called him the housewives favourite last year that's not changed and making our Orient Hour debut the lovely Caroline Birkinshaw if you've got a question for the panel tonight or a comment about the week in Orient loads of ways to get into it's the Orient Hour on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, join the community and you can also email the studio direct, radio at phoenixfm.com. Thanks to everyone who's listened to the last two episodes on iTunes. They've been our most popular to date. Don't forget you can subscribe and have the shows downloaded direct to your device in time for the Monday morning commute. If you're an Android user, no need to worry. We're also available on Android podcasting apps. And you can find all 96 of our previous episodes on the Phoenix FM website, www.phoenixfm.com. FM.com. But thanks to you joining us live tonight. And we do love getting your messages in uh, in the studio of an evening. Uh, looking at the forums at the moment, uh, Matador has said, uh, would like to thank Howard for his football class many years ago at Romford YMCA. Uh, he doesn't appear to have aged. Howard, what is your secret? I can't be supporting Orient, can it? I think I've looked like this uh, for the last 40 years. It's a good job I lost my hair early, I think. That's what okay, it is. all right, okay. Let's not go on to... The, the, there's a, a show about health and beauty tips is afterwards. But No, we'll leave you to carry on doing that in, in just a moment. Um, oh, actually, there is another question. The question's come on the message board because we are joined by... Um, one of the greatest minds and some of the greatest minds in football, um, plus Dave, Steve, Howard as well. Um, questions come in from Thor on the uh, message boards. Dave, you see a lot of games commentating on the O's. Have you discovered any players who you've, you've suggested that Steve take a look at? I haven't. Um, I'm very interested in the uh, games that Steve has seen recently, trying to um, get a gauge of who he's been looking at. And I have to say, I've been really impressed by the uh, uh, quality of the recruitment that has happened. Uh, certainly this year has been fantastic, hasn't it? Uh, I think, well, I mean, compared to the last few years, I think anyone, I think recruitment was, uh, you know, was something that did need improving somewhat. Um, bit of a strange day yesterday, uh, Dave, the Orient not having a, a game. So I think the first question has to be, what was everyone up to? Um, and you took in uh, another National League team. I did. I was still working for BBC Radio London. I went to see an FA Cup first round game. It was a poor one. It was goalless between uh, Sutton and Slough Town and it wasn't as good as it probably sounds. It really was a, a very poor game. But no, no magic of the FA Cup then for you? 
Oh, real magic. I mean, I missed it late night not being there. I think it was probably, if you were going to have a rest, um, now was probably the time. But having said that, it felt so odd not having the O's in the first round of the Cup. I did watch Hamingay on Friday night, and congratulations to all involved there, uh, particularly Tom Luzo, of course, was connected with the O's back in the day. Um, you know, they put off a great show and were very unlucky in the end, weren't they? That really was the magic of the Cup. And, of course, we've seen today Geisley uh, getting a victory over Cambridge United as well. Um, Steve, a uh, couple of games taken in for you this weekend. Yes, well, I was at uh, Ebbsfleet versus Cheltenham yesterday. And today I was Barnett-Bristol Rovers. Uh, today's game was a lot more entertaining than yesterday's one. It was a terrible game yesterday. Um, but, as I say, it was, a, it was an entertaining game today. Uh, Bristol Rovers had a player sent off after straight red after six minutes. Uh, and Barnet pretty much had the run of the game to be fair and then after that uh, Bristol Rovers got back into it second half they made three changes all, all, all by half time so they run a risk a little bit run a risk there but uh, yeah they put on a good second half performance at the woodwork three times uh, Dave actually said in, in the build up to the show um, are we to draw anything from the locations where you've been visiting over the last not really not really there are players we we like um, it's just getting a bit more information on that and checking out consistency levels because you, you're travelling I mean we mentioned when you were on the show previously I mean you, you travel all over were you travelling all over the country or just all over the east or um, mainly south east I do venture into other areas I went up to Lincoln the other week for a game and uh, we've got others we've got regional guys we've got a guy in the west country uh, Cole Newton covers the north for us so um, it's not too bad to be fair. I mean, it's, there is a lot of mileage, I suppose. It's, it's probably within 150 miles. But you might give sort of the last sign off on a guy before it gets passed um, up to, to Justin uh, and last, Martin. Well, Justin would probably have the last sign off. I'd, if I was, I, I would recommend. If I was going to make a rec- strong recommendation, I'd be probably the last one. Yeah, before Justin or Martin signs it off. Now um, I was. Um, out Christmas shopping yesterday, so that was fun. Um, Caroline, what were you up to yesterday on a non-day for the Orient? I know. I, I can't compete with these guys, I'm afraid. I, if Orient are not playing, then I can't go, bring myself to go watch any other teams. So um, I spent the day with my brother. We had a lovely day and a nice bit of fish and chips for, for lunch and good humour. And we talked about the Orient. He's got a big soft spot for the Orient, so... Uh, it was a nice day, but very strange as Saturdays go. Are we to draw anything from you scouting out a fish and chip shop at the end of this season? Is there a particular? <laughs> There's only one fish and chip. Oh, okay. Shop. We'll, 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 we better not mention no. Let's no. not give it a plug now. Okay. Uh, Howard, what were, what were you up to yesterday? Yeah, I was just daddy duties yesterday. Unfortunately, I can't get to as many away games as I'd like because um, my daughter is uh, she's at Junior Guildhall, so I escort her there on uh, on the away days, and that's what I do and listen to Dave. As he knows, I generally give him a tweet, say I'm listening. And you scared the life out of me last week, Dave, when the second goal went in. You, you screamed. <laughs> that was special, wasn't it? That that was was it was a special it goal, was, yeah. Yeah, pop the earphone out of the ear there. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what I do on the away days. I'm generally up in up in the Barbican around the area. And, well, I mean, it, the break's a little hellish for, for us as, as fans. It's a whole two weeks without a game. And... Was it hard, do you think, Dave, to, to not see Orient in the Cup yesterday? Because you, you obviously would have been at an Orient game yesterday. Was it, was it strange not to see uh, Orient in the first round proper? 
He didn't feel right. I mean, it's been a, a very long time that Leighton Orient have played in the proper rounds of the FA Cup. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Neo was entered in the third round uh, stage. So, you know, it, um, uh, it's not seeing Neo's. It, it's, the, it's the draw, I think, that really hurts uh, when Leighton Orient weren't in the, the hat for the, the draw special. But uh, I think they've played 20 games uh, so far this season. So if you were going to have a break then this is probably the time to have it. And if you were going to have a priority this season, I know it's a cliche, but it is about promotion this year, isn't it? Yeah. But it is still painful, isn't it, Caroline, not seeing... And, and, and no more so than you sit there and you had that wonderful game against Fylde and you think, more two weeks now until yeah, Orient play again. Absolutely. And the way we're playing at the moment, we probably could have given anybody a, a run for their money yesterday. Um, I was actually quite gutted to, that we went out of the cup at the qualifying stage it would have been absolutely great to be in the draw I do I do understand that it's all about promotion and if somebody gave me the choice between promotion and, and having a good cup run I definitely would choose the promotion um, but yeah I didn't even I, I didn't watch the draw for the first round and uh, I don't know if I will I might keep an eye on what Sunderland are doing seeing as they're still in as Hubby's a big Sunderland fan but um, it's very strange that Orient not being included also I mean, we we look at it in the, the argument, and and do you think there are? Dave mentioned twenty games already for for, and some of these players have played in in a lot of them. Someone like Josh Coulson, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Do you, do you think there is a benefit for players there, Steve, having the break? Definitely the benefit for the break. Yeah, I mean, going back to the Maidstone game, I think the team that was picked was good enough to win the game. I, I really do do believe that. Um, you got players coming in. Dan Happy came in and played, Sam Ling played. So I think there was the quality and there is a strength in depth in the squad. Um, it just didn't happen. You know, we didn't create enough in the final third and there were two reasonably soft goals, which normally would be dealt better with. So, um, but it would have been nice to be in the first round. Um, but obviously, priority is to get out of this league. So... Um, the break would have been nice but then again we could have, we could have got a first round tie we could have got a, a draw and you've got another extra game so it swings around roundabouts I think what is important though that uh, over the weekend the, the way in which the games have sort of fallen the results means that Lake Noyne are not going to get a gap in fixtures I think because Watchdale beat Gateshead it means that yeah. game continues and that's important because what Lake Noyne wouldn't want is a, another Tuesday night game and another Saturday where you didn't have a match because I think the pattern from one weekend to the next one is an important one both for the supporters as well as the players and for Salford now they'll have to play a replay won't they and Wrexham won so they're through to the next round so our opponents if you like have extra games to play whereas we won't which is all good for us and 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 George Sessions of uh, the East London Advertiser was pointing out that um, as you say Dave um, Gateshead exiting to Rochdale means that that game on the 1st of December will go ahead Salford have the replay as you said Caroline and then Wrexham because they progressed it means that Orient will essentially move a game ahead of Wrexham because they they will play they will go one league game ahead which um did confuse a couple of people. Um, I think Howard. I think you worked it out a, a little bit in the end. I did have to read it a couple of times. I must admit, George. Um, talking about having that two weeks breaks because, from my point of view, you as a player, 
you train to play. You don't train just just for the hell of it. You train because you want to be playing on a Tuesday and and on a Saturday. So you work all week for that chance to play. It must be torture to just have two weeks to wait until the next game. I guess it is. Um, I'm lucky enough to to see the players uh, a couple of times a week when I go to the training ground and have a chat with them. And uh, actually, um, they, they just deal with it. It just seems that uh, you know they're used to what's going on. They know they're not playing. They've worked really hard. They actually adjusted the, their training week this week. They swapped the days off. Um, and I think as a reward for where they are and the hard work they've done. I mean, as I say, they they work extremely hard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and then they, they've had type of a long weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And they know that they'll start again on Monday, full steam ahead for the weekend. So for them, actually, it worked quite well. They really put it in early part of the week. Um, had, a, had a break, as we're saying. A couple of guys now can recover. Uh, Sam had a, still a little injury with his ankle, so that gives him extra time. Charlie, as we know, we're not going to miss Charlie Lee. Uh, he's not going to lose a game. Um, so that's good because he's been uh, prolific in, the, in their midfield there so all in all I mean, they, they just roll on some of the guys don't even know who they're playing week to week they just know they've got a game on Saturday and turn up and give it their all you know so they were, were the boys particularly looking forward to having sort of that long weekend now because they have been playing every week since near the, well, the beginning of August haven't they they have. Um, I don't know if they're looking forward to it. As I say, they just they just deal with it. If there's a game, they, they prepare. If there's not a game, if they've got a, a weekend off, they'll uh, enjoy the rest and be professional about it, obviously. But um, it's time for some of them to, to get back with family. So, as I say, they've adjusted their week. So a couple of the guys who still have family up north or, or a distance away, they can go and visit and actually spend a good couple of days with, with their partners and their, their uh, kids and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's all worked out properly. And Orient obviously got that break. The next opponents, uh, Bromley, didn't have the break. They uh, played yesterday um, at home to Peterborough. So um, Orient potentially come back fresher. They got the game against Bromley. They're railing to go, and they've got going to have the pack crowd beyond the boys on on the seventeenth as well. Looking forward to it. It's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Um, Bromley are going to be a difficult opponent. They uh, gave a very good account of themselves under difficult circumstances uh, in the cup against Peterborough, as you say. Uh, they'll come uh, looking for the O's and it will feel like cup football for them, won't they? They'll come to E10 looking to cause an upset. Well, certainly, I mean, 3-1 yesterday, you, you uh, touched on the result, but they did actually go 1-0 up against Peter before seeing uh, Frankie Raymond uh, see red just a minute shy of, of half-time. Um, they're arriving on Saturday the 14th, so 17 points behind the O's, but they will be aiming to be party poopers on on the day, Steve. So. Uh, yes, they'll be aiming for that. Um, and I think they did a little bit last season, especially was just after Christmas, wasn't it? They beat us 1-0 when we had an early red card and we, we, we absolutely battered them, played them off the park. They were just clinging on. So there will be a lot of that. You know, we've got to be, we've got to start well. We've got to start like we did against Fylde, start on the front foot and then see if we can get the early goal and then teams have got to come at us and that's, when we're, that's probably when we're at our best. Um, so sometimes there's been occasions where we started slow, uh, especially last season. We started slow let teams get a cheap goal and then they, you know, they, they park the bus and it, it's hard to break down so I think we're bet- we are better on the front foot 
better on the counter-attack as well. I think yeah. that's why uh, performances and results of sometimes this season and probably last and even under Russell Slay going back a, a, a few years, we were better away from home. And I think that's because sometimes counter-attack in football favours late night. One of the things I worry about was if the O's were to miss out on automatic promotion, you'd assume that it, at the moment it would be second or third place, which would mean that the playoff game would be at Brisbane Road, which... You know, should be an advantage, but the way it's going so far this season, you wonder because it is you've got you're playing with, with teams high energy, with players all of whom are very motivated for the ninety minutes because it's their big game of the season. They're very well organised, the vast majority of sides in the National League and with the exception of Haven't and Waterlooville most come with sort of five at the back and five uh, you know really packing midfield as well Haven't and Waterlooville I think the only team that we've seen with uh, three up front and uh, we do mention there I mean that you could get a replete of the game that we played against Hartlepool and albeit the O's came out with a nil-nil in that game it's Orient big home game football for a fiver and Joe Witherson gets sent off and the game completely changes and your season is reduced to a 90 minute shootout isn't it ifs and buts but we I mean I, I don't want to uh, start thinking oh gosh what would it be like in, in April I think uh, now is the time to look back on what's been achieved so far not just this season I think you have to draw a line at Solihull Moors and since Justin Edinburgh has taken over and I think the way you judge a really good coach is the way in which players um, progress and develop under that coach and I mean Steve's here and we've already paid compliment to how good the recruitment's been but what I've been really impressed with is the quality and the development that we've seen in the squad of players that Justin Edinburgh has inherited and I think many thought that there would be a lot more uh, movement during the summer and certainly many supporters were feeling that we needed more players to come in but uh, look at the improvement that the likes of Craig Clay um, uh, and it would be wrong to point to, to go to it to all the players because I think they've all improved uh, this season and Justin Edinburgh and the team have and uh, the team of coaches have to take enormous credit for that. I mean, we touched on that, Steve, during during the summer. Was there ever a plan to overhaul, or was it always uh, just just a couple of additions to to tune just things a, up? Just a few tweaks, a few tweaks. With the the thing is, well, we signed a lot of players on two year contracts as well. So unless you can ship them players out, unless other teams want, are going to make inquiries then you can maybe think about it but uh, we was quite happy with what we had which uh, it was just a case of bringing in two or three just, just to see um, just to start, um, tweak it up a little bit because we finished the season quite strong um, like from January onwards barring a couple of indifferent performances I thought we were very strong and uh, and I say you know, it was just a, a few other minor adjustments I think I mean, it's absolutely proved that we didn't really need to bring in too many new additions. I think there's been such a, an improvement in fitness, which is probably pretty much down to Justin Edinburgh and his team. Um, the players that we had were, were, were adequate, but the fitness levels have seemed to be so improved under Justin. It's made a it's made a big difference. I mean, talk about you. You see them, obviously, Howard. I mean, the, how much it, was it in in the fitness work in, in pre season? How how fit is this team? Yeah, I didn't go abroad with them uh, when they went abroad. Was it Portugal uh, yeah. initially for their? Uh, I didn't go either. I wasn't yeah, invited. You weren't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not high up. We're not high up the uh, the ladder was that. Um, 
No, that obviously is a bonding exercise, but I know they did work hard over there. Um, but they, it's been tweaked, as people have said. They've noticed that since Justin has come in, he's obviously brought his experience with him and all the way back from when he's played at the highest level. And uh, some of the um, some of the regimes that they're now going through, that the run, what are those runs they do, Steve? Those doggies at the end of the training session. So I've noticed they're even doing that. So they'll finish. They'll come in, do the normal training, finish, and you think they're finished, but they don't. They actually then start doing more running, don't they? Timed runs and with things Michael, like this. Yeah, I believe, with yeah, Michael, yeah. I don't pay much attention to that. <laughs> come out in the sweat <laughs> no, just running, watching yeah, it. Yeah, I suppose running. You're in the bar yeah. by then. Yeah, yeah, I come out in the sweat just watching the running. <laughs> but yeah, no, they've added stuff on to the end of the training um, to keep on top of it. And obviously all the GP stuff that they wear, GPS stuff, um, they're all monitored all the time. So they, in between, you know, amongst themselves as well, they have all the little banter. and. Uh, I think going back to the summer recruitment as well, um, the reason why we didn't need a massive overhaul was because we had quite a productive January because we made, obviously, we made Josh Coulson a permanent sign-in. We managed to get James Brophy in and obviously Marvin as well. So because we had quite a good January, uh, there wasn't that urgency to have a massive overhaul in the summer. So I mean, the, the work that was done in, in January, was that a brought a little bit out of necessity from the way that the season had started and, and possibly some moves that you would have looked to have done in, in the summer ended up getting brought forward a few months? Um, Josh no, Josh was one we wanted to, to get finalised. Um, as with, with, with um, Brofs as well. Uh, with Marvin, it was just a case that I wanted him in because other clubs were sniffing around. We'd know... If we hadn't got him, he may have gone elsewhere. So, you know, I felt it was important to get him in the building at that time. And as it goes, it worked out because he played about the last five or six games of the season. So, Are, are we seeing now, because the, the, and the particular guy I want, I want to pick out is, is Craig Clay, because Craig Clay um, got a little bit of stick last season. We heard did hear about um, he was playing under, uh, I think it was a virus that he had at the, what, the yeah. time as well, when he was playing out of necessity. Are we seeing from some of these players now into the second year what you what you saw when when you looked at them for the first time? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Craig was when I watched him would have been two, three years ago now for Grimsby, and he was energetic. Even though this was at this level as well, and he was a ball winner and then the good use of the ball. So yeah, it was um, when he first came in. I think he had quite a good pre-season, and then. Uh, Steve, the last gaffer, uh, decided to start with Charlie and Alex. So, and maybe that might put him on the back foot. I don't know. Um, I mean, we did talk, Caroline, about um, mentioned there with with Craig. I, I saw something with um, Charlie Lee and and Craig, and that has been such a key partnership for the O's so far this season. And they spoke until actually earlier this season. They played together last pre-season, and. This season, again, is the first time that they've actually been able to, to play right. together I as a partnership. Lee and, um, well, Clay, yeah, Lee and Clay have been both fantastic together. And when you think about Charlie, Charlie Lee, he had the injury problems last season. It's like having a new player this season, really. And same for James Dayton. He was injury-plagued, and it's like having a new player. You know, it's rather than signing new people. They're people that we had on the books, but we didn't get full use of last season, so... 
they've really brought so much to the squad this this year I think and uh, we touch on Charlie Lee there and, and Howard did mention that the good news um, this week is he's uh, only suffered a grade one MCL injury against Fold and so the injury isn't as severe nor in the same knee as last season and he could be back in uh, as little as two to three weeks and it is a huge sigh of relief Howard firstly for, for Charlie given the injury last year yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, as soon as the player goes down, you're worried that it's the old injury. But I think it's, as you say, it's the, it's the other leg anyway. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, you know, he's uh, he wants to play all the time. He, he's already chomping at the bit um, to get training again next week, as early as the middle of next week. So um, should you know, hopefully, shouldn't be too long. And uh, for all of us, it's a relief as well because he's really shown so far this season why the club was so keen to bring him in. Yeah, well, that's what Steve said. You know, the, these guys have been uh, chosen for for what they can do, and what, what, what obviously Steve recognises what they can do and recommends them. And now we're we're getting the benefit of that. And what is it about Charlie in particular? Do you think, Steve? Well, Charlie was one uh, who Martin brought before uh, before I come into the club. I came in sort of like start of July, and Charlie was already on Martin's radar by then anyway. So, um, but I'd watched enough of him when I used to watch Stephen Inch and when I'd seen him before at Peterborough and Gillingham to know, you know, what he brings. Um, he's a footballer. He's an intelligent footballer. He's good in the dressing room. He's got good energy. Um, he can, he gets good, he can pop up into important areas like we saw with his goal the other week. Uh, you know, his he goal was a screamer yeah, the other he's, week, he's, wasn't it? He's got, you know, he's got a good strike on him. Uh, for a short guy, he's good in the air as well. He's got that long throw, so there's, there's, you know, he's, he's played the majority of his career in League One, so that tells you the type of player we've got. And he's a leader, isn't he, Stephen? And what's important, I think, this season, and the difference between now and 12 months ago, is that there seem to be a number of leaders on the pitch. A start with Dean Brill in goal, uh, the likes of Charlie Lee, uh, Josh Coulson is clearly given a lot of support to young Marvin, yeah. uh, and then you've got Joby the captain. As well, yeah. Yeah, you can see him all the time talking, especially to the younger boys on the on the field, always giving them encouragement and um, come on, we keep that. The, the thing, the difference this season for me seems to be that we fight to the very end. Games that we would have given up on and lost, we come back and fight and we're scoring in the 89th minute, 90 minutes plus three, whatever it is, we get that equaliser or winning goal. And that seems to have been the difference. Because Howard's got his T-shirt there. Uh, Howard, do you want to I- explain? It's well, I've got, I've got the old T-shirt from the 14 season there. It says "This group never gives up," which was which was the motto that we were using. And it feels like that this season, it does doesn't it? Feel it feel like that yeah, this I was re- reminiscing about that and how the similarities of this season and uh, the way it feeds through from the staff all the way through to the playing squad itself. Yeah. You can see the camaraderie in the in the squad as well. Most well, I mean, it, it, it's something that, um, that Dale Gorman uh, this week was introduced, uh, in, interviewed by the Waltham Forest Guardian, and he uh, he spoke about the togetherness of the squad. Uh, he's quoted as saying, "We've just got that bond at the moment where everyone is on the same page, and we're just trying to keep it rolling. Uh, it's a great group. Everyone gets along, and we've got a strong bond. Once you have that in the changing room, it's hard to break it up, and it'd be a good team to try and break us up uh, this year." Um, Howard, as you say, you spend time around the group, and you've You've been from where the group was. I, th- I think you would probably agree a certain amount of not if infighting in 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 terms of the group, but an, an apathy within the group certainly. I mean, what's it like now? It's a 
180 degree turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, well, certainly. Either from the the, the three year history that we're talking about, yeah, it's, it's you can't compare the two. So you had you know you had the Russell's group, uh, which unfortunately uh, what happened at Wembley happened, uh, and then we had that um, the three year period, which we don't really like to mention. We're not here to mention that anymore. But as we know, uh, lot, lots went wrong. Uh, the players. Um, were brought in and left and were they mercenaries, were they unprofessionals, etc. That's all history. I'm sure that there would be some books written about that in, uh, in, the, in the not so distant future. Uh, and we'll learn a little bit more about it. But yeah, th this group at the moment, um, I mean, it's amazing that, you know, Jovi's come back and he's just a total professional. And hopefully people realise that um, the way he was treated didn't actually, it had nothing to do with him. Uh, you know, some people who don't really know what goes on in their background, they only see what's on Twitter and then they see a player that crosses the, the white line and plays and if they have a bad game they get slated for it. But they don't know what's going on psychologically. And I've often type of said that footballers are still, they're just human beings, they're just good at playing football. Uh, and what goes on in the background affects them. And there were certain players that got affected in that three-year period and they couldn't cope with it. And we mentioned there about leaders around the pitch, uh, leaders on the pitch, but mm. leaders off the pitch. I mean, we've seen some of the stuff you've done with George Ellicobi, but there's yeah, people like Charlie Lee as well. George and Charlie and, and obviously Lawless, you know, you've got some very good professionals there. And leading, leadership at the top, because, you know, back in those dark days, yeah. it, it was chaos at the top. It's not the case now. It, it, the club feels as if it's in a, a really good place. And I think we have to give credit to the work that Howard and the Trust have done. Uh, I, as somebody that sort of feels very proud about Leighton Orienta, and, the, you know, this week of, of all weeks, uh, the fact that the greater game is now sold out, yeah. that's something I feel very proud Amazing, about. Yeah. And the club is in good hands. I know you do an awful lot of work in schools. And every time I see the, the photographs of uh, Kent Teague in, in schools he, he must be an um, fantastic ambassador uh, for Leighton Orient and, and it does feel as if the club's in a good place. Yes, oh definitely I mean as I say we've we sort of evolved again you know, uh, some people said that the, the best thing that could have happened was that the last three years and it's just unfortunate that we're starting again in the National League but I think you know, people realise Barry and he admitted it, you know, that's as far as he could have taken us, you know he, he just couldn't fund any more and if we'd have gone to the championship, he couldn't afford to do that and stuff like that. So that was fair play to him. He, he, he said that, I'm sure. And then, uh, you know, now we, 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 unfortunately, we've had to drop to where we are, but it, it's reignited us. It's like a phoenix. But we don't feel like Indeed, a non-league club. No. It feels like that when you go away from home sometimes. <laughs> but when you're at Brisbane Road, it, it, it no. is buzzing. And the sort of work, particularly that the Trust does, yeah. there's lots of clubs in the Championship that I would imagine don't come close to the quality of the work and the consistency of the work oh, nice that you're providing. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, it's nice to be noticed. I mean, the work that we do, um, I remember when I first took the job, I mean, we were, we were always out there in the community and doing stuff, but it was always... It, it just wasn't really publicised very well. So now we've got uh, Elliot on board on the club side and we've got Louise on the trust side and we try and promote as much stuff to let people know across the world uh, what goes on at Orient. And you know, we were very pl uh, proud to receive the award from uh, the National League last year for the work that we do. Um, but yeah, from, from top to bottom, obviously you had Barry, you had Matt Porter. We had a great line all the way through to Russell Slade and then through to the players. Uh, Clarkey was a captain and went through the players. Uh, in those days and now we, we can start again with Nigel and Kent obviously going through to Justin who's a great man manager 
a bit old school, but they they know where to to draw the line with him, and he can have a, he has he does have a laugh with the players. They're always laughing, joking, but they know when he's serious, and he goes through to good coaching. Uh, you've, I'm sure you've seen the stuff with Danny Webb and Ross on yeah. you know the, the, the laugh that these guys are having. But everyone knows when to get serious, uh, and then all the way through the players, as you say, George and Joby, top class professionals, through to the youngsters. Josh is now coming to fruition. Um, uh, and that's the feeling that we've got, yeah. It does feel like a coaching team, and obviously Martin Ling and the, the players that he brought in mm. uh, under very difficult circumstances. I think it's only now we're beginning to see the quality of some of those players because, as we said, we already said how long we were without uh, Charlie Lee. I think James Dayton was a huge mm. absentee for a, a large part of um, last season. But they're enjoying themselves, aren't they? And I think Danny Webb was also at the club and under difficult circumstances. Yeah. And he got the best out of the youngsters. And the likes of Miles Judd and Josh Cromer, they must really appreciate the fact that he, together with uh, um, Joby, have returned to the club. And it, and it feels, again, that it's late annoying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, You've got to keep that uh, line running through. I think, as you say, with, with Danny Webb, leaving and coming back and the youngsters know him and the rapport he has you know it's, it's all about characters um, and it, sometimes you've got good cop bad cop scenarios and things like that and it happens in the football club as well um, but th- there is this bond at the moment there is this feel good factor and we need to ride the wave I mean last year was a bit of a novelty factor in this league and everyone's enjoying the trips to the away grounds but as you say now Dave some of them you could actually do without and you want to get I'm fed up with standing up yeah. now I'm <laughs> <laughs> first yeah. in the queue for a seat now we, we mentioned um, Kent there I mean even to the point of someone like Kent going in and talking to a, a year group at a school which you, you must feel well it, it must feel like living in an alternative universe because I wouldn't imagine someone so high up in Microsoft as he was and yeah. and someone so high up in a football club coming and talking to kids about opportunity no to be fair um, the first thing Kent said when he came in he said Look, I come here for so many days every every so often he said um, I've left my wife's at home my kids are at home I've got nothing to do so here's my diary, fill the diary up. I want to do things. I want to go here, there and everywhere. And I want to be doing something for Leighton Orient because that's what I'm here for. So literally he, he gives his diary to uh, Lucy in the office and she fills it for him. And wherever he's told to go, he'll go and do it. But he, he actually loves it. He loves it, yeah, it's great having him around because I, if I need him, I just say, is he free at this particular time? She goes, yes, and I know he'll be there. So it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, obviously, today uh, is Remembrance Sunday, and I know um, the trust's been doing a lot of work around the, the Clapton Orient team and World War One in connection with the eighty years in in Leighton project as well. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so that that was a combined project as um, the club moved to the current ground in nineteen thirty seven. So that's the eighty years in Leighton. So the idea of that was not necessarily how Leighton Orient have affected the community but how has the community been affected with Orient being based in Leighton and uh, the local um, local community uh, and then obviously with um, the uh, anniversary over the past four years actually obviously with our boys being involved and Steve Jenkins doing such a great job with his book and everything and the play coming out the greater game so it, it's all come to, to a head now um, that um, well, certainly on Saturday we'll be um, remembering on the pitch. Well, we're going to get the uh, buglers back. Steve's going to sort out his banner for us. Um, we've we've uh, got some wreaths. We're going to have lay three wreaths for the three heroes. Um, so that'll all be pre-match. So people want to get there a few minutes early. Um, I'll see them there. 
and um, well, I'm, I'm, well, there's so much work I want to talk about with with the um, with the trust and um, the work of the fans for diversity hubs continued as well, and lots of groups coming in all the time. It seems like every every game day there's there's a group in, isn't there? Well, that's the idea. Yeah, the room is there. We've developed that room. As, as we know, uh, the, uh, the old East stand was pretty much derelict, apart from just people sitting in the stand. There's, there's, all the offices are still there. The changing rooms are still there. Um, although they utilised uh, the old changing room for the away team and stuff is now just the, just the rooms for maintenance guys. Uh, we do have the, home, the old home changing room, which is nice now to be included on the stadium tours. And as you know, the Greater Game used that for their rehearsals. Um, but then we had the old supporters bar, the players bar, which, which was redundant. Um, and the, the very brief history was that the Kick It Out and Fans for Diversity Fund approached us and said, look, we know what wonderful work you do in the community. Is there any way we could help you? Uh, we've got a little pot of money. And we said, well, how about this space for um, encouraging diverse groups and groups with anxiety, anything to do, never maybe been to a football match before. Uh, and that's what happened. So we've developed that room. Uh, they gave us a couple of grand, which is really nice. So it was enough just to put some new lighting in and a bit of carpet and get a kettle. <laughs> so um, it's used for, for pre-match and at half-time as a welcome room, a sanctuary uh, for people who maybe haven't been to football before, uh, disabled groups, um, and that's what we do. So we welcome them in, and I try and utilise it every home game. And I think since it's been open, which is the, this is the third season, um, I think we've only missed one Tuesday night where we haven't been able to fill it. And um, given my uh, my work away from here is in, in, in mental health, I'd, I'd great to see the work the club and the trust are, are doing there. The mental health awareness days, coping through football as well mm. with the, with the trust. So there's there's always plenty of work, and in combination with the NHS as well, isn't there? Well, that the coping through football project is uh, is actually three elements. It's uh, the trust facilitate the football. So I go out and, and literally coach uh, with a couple of other guys. And then um, the NHS is via NELFS, which is the North East London Foundation Trust. So they're the ones who find the clients. And then uh, the Playing Fields Foundation, uh, who actually supply the pitches for us. So it's um, the three of us are uh, partnerships. And um, yeah, we have 100 guys and girls a week with varying mental health uh, come along and, and use football as a nucleus. But it's also obviously a social project and getting people back on track uh, and, and improving their lives once again. Howard, how difficult is it with the loss of seats now in the East End? It's ironic as we celebrate 80 mm. years and there's been these great photos that people have found of the old East Stand when it was yes. initially at the Mitcham Stadium. You appreciate then just how old it actually is. Yeah. Uh, and it's at this point when we're celebrating so much that the poor old uh, lady, I suppose we should uh, refer to as possibly, I don't know, but uh, she's beginning to show her age, isn't yeah. she? And we've yeah. lost a few seats as a result. Will that have an impact on your plans and work? Yeah, I've, I've obviously been told to um, I won't be allowed to give as many tickets away as we do with the community so yeah I've had, I've had to unfortunately uh, decline a few requests for tickets at the moment uh, so we can make sure we get the season tickets moved and, and people can get in and people who actually want to buy tickets but it doesn't stop the diversity hub so we'll, we'll keep that going because um, you know we promise these people that it's all pre-booked you can imagine that the work that we do some people think that when the football season ends in April or May, the club closes down and we all have a holiday till August, uh, which is not quite true. So uh, all the backroom staff, we carry on working uh, and we plan, you're literally planning ahead for the following season. Uh, Steve probably can tell you that that goes on all the time. You, you're planning six months to a year ahead all the time. So the Diversity Hub 
may have been booked out already six months ago for, for this season. It's full already. So we can't let these people down that we promised. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep those. But um, unfortunately, I've been told not to um, have so many tickets at the moment. Um, Little Bird tells me about the trust moving as well. Yes. Uh, well, the trust building, which is over the road um, from the club itself in Oliver Road there, that's the score centre, actually belongs to the London Borough Walton Forest. So they're, um, unfortunately, they're taking that 3G away and they'll be starting to build... Um, new facilities, there'll be a, a GP uh, surgery there apparently, a, a school somewhere on the site, there'll be more flats going in uh, but they will move the score centre as it were down to the far end where the sand pitches are, I don't know if people mm. realise that there were some sand pitches down there Like uh, the beach? The beach, yeah so they, they'll start to build on there eventually, uh, the score building will move down to that end so they'll still house, uh, possibly that the trust may be housed in there um, they may even come over to the club. We're not quite sure what's happening with the East Stand. You know, now um, this might, um, what with the seating area, they've had the structural engineers this week. So it's a matter of, I think it can be repaired. And I don't think it's going to be too long uh, before they get on and start repairing that. So certainly, hopefully for the new year, um, the stand should be open again. It'd be good uh, but if we can you can get back to, to full capacity. Because the uh, gates are climbing, aren't they? And yeah. But then you've got all, you've got so much space in the back there. You've got offices, all the old offices mm. and the shop and things like that. So it's it's it wasn't really a priority, obviously, but it, it's always being looked into. And, and they've got some plans for it, the hotel and things. The planning permission's gone in mm. for that and see what it can do. But yeah, the trust um, they're like they're, they'll just move somewhere. They're not going anywhere. Okay. Um, want to talk about um, something else that Dale Gorman um, was quoted by Bradley Hayden in the Waltham Forest Guardian is about saying, um, apparently saying, saying along the lines of Lake Norrent have one of the brightest groups of young players outside the Football League and Orange youth setup is far superior to that of his former League Two side uh, Stevenage. Um, would you agree with that sentiment Steve? I'm not going to necessarily uh, <laughs> let, let you rate uh, Stevenage in particular but the, but the comparison in general Yes, it's, I, I mean, you've only got to look at the players who've come through, you know, when Richard Thomas was running the academy, the likes, you know, who've gone to other clubs, Stephen Alzati, Sam Dalby, um, Tristan Abrahams, so, and obviously we, we, we've still got Miles Judd, Dan Happy, Josh Caroma, so, I mean, that's very productive. Um, Stevenage have actually done really well themselves, produced players like... Ben Wilmot, and they've got lads like obviously like Dale, Ben Kennedy, who's still in the first team at Stevenage. So I mean, they're, I mean they're they're quite a productive Cat Free Academy as well, and they do quite well at it. So um, but yeah, it's we're you know, we're doing okay, and we got there's a few more in the system as well. No, I mean, I wanted to mention one of the guys who's in the system. Um, uh, he's been on the radar um, for a little while, if, if people have been looking at the under-18s report. Um, it's midfielder and second-year scholar uh, Hector uh, Kiprianu. And uh, Hector's been recently selected in League Football Education's The Eleven for October. Um, he makes the list alongside uh, Luke Rowe of Coventry City, Matt O'Reilly of Fulham, Max Culverwell, Notts County, Fraser Garner, Peterborough United, a uh, player from Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday, Stevenage, who's mentioned there, Swindon, Tranmere, and, um, and Yeovil. And so it shows that the, the level that Orient are still hitting at, that, that I've just read down the list of Football League clubs there, mm, and, yeah. and, and Orient are 
have got a name there amongst it. Yeah, definitely. And when Hector's done it through football and also academically as well. So you don't just you don't just get on that list because of your footballing ability. You get on because you know you you, know, you knuckle down and you're showing like you know academically that you're working hard as well, which again is very important. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, to mention some, if people haven't heard about Hector before, um, he was part of Orient's uh, Southern Merit League 2 title winning team last season. He got some game time with the first team in pre-season. And he's, uh, he was actually on loan at Harlow Town uh, this season before returning to be a key part of the under-18s. Um, and uh, LFE Regional Officer Gavin Williasy is quoted as saying, uh, Hector has impressed all the staff at Leighton Orient and Waltham Forest College with his attitude to learning and desire to improve on and off the field. Um, he's got some experience in men's football with their mention uh, over at Harlow. How key is that to his development? Oh, massive. Um, I mean, I think under-18s football is very good. I think from if you move into under 23s and it's just under 23s football was just a, a slightly older version of uh, 18s football and it's no it's not a no way a proper preparation for first team football um, I think that personally I would, if I was in charge I'd rip it all up under 23 football go back to proper reserve team football Can I ask is that why Levi's finding it hard maybe at uh, Brisbane Road? I believe so, yes. I believe so. I think when he's come in, um, I mean, I've watched a lot of him. I've seen him under 23 football and he's impressed me. It's one of the reasons why we signed him. Um, but I think he was shocked by the intensity of the training. So I think, and obviously, James Brophy came back fitter. He, he came, his injury wasn't as bad as first thought. And we went on that run where we, we played the same 11 for about. 11 games didn't we so it was always going to be hard for him to find a place in the squad um, I think if we would have like the AFL we have seven subs he probably would have found him he probably would have found a place on the bench maybe but um, it hasn't happened um, all he's got to do is just keep working hard and training keep impressing in training um, we mentioned uh, going out to, to Harlow there for, for Hector I mean that's obviously your in terms of some of the non-league areas some of the area that you're, you're looking at and it's it's a area that a lot of the, the youth team players have, have gone out I mean they are not going to get an easy ride playing in Isthmian League football are they, they, they are, so. there are some old campaigners there who are going to let them know Definitely. that they're there but that's all, that's, that is that is the, the massive that's the whole point of that development they've got to deal with the physicality and you know sometimes the nastiness of the level um, oh, it is really the sink or swim, isn't it? For, yeah, because Hex, you can have Hex a player who's technically brilliant. but Yeah, Hector's actually now he's uh, moved up a level. Oh, no, no, sorry, he hasn't moved up a level. He's, he's gone to Bishop Stalkford now. So he's playing for Bishop Stalkford at the moment as well. Um, but we'll be looking to that now. Now the under-18s are sadly at the um, FA Youth Cup. I think it's something that we should look to, you know, for the, for, especially for the second years, to put them, try and find clubs for them. Um, find them the right type of club as well. No, no point just sending them into a, a, a club to get games or if they're only going to get 20 minutes here and there. Uh, they, obviously, they, it, this going to be more beneficial if they're starting games, but it's going to be like the right type of football. The, the management and coaching are going to sort of teach them as well. So, so they're just adding more strings to their bows. We just don't want them just turning up, getting 90 minutes and coming back and not learning anything. No, then we want them to learn while they're away as well. Um, 
Jaden Phillips as well. He, he scored yesterday for the under-18s. Under-18s won back-to-back league games uh, for the first time this season. He's one who's actually snuck up on me a little bit. I, I don't remember seeing a lot of Jaden in, in build-up. So three and three now, uh, games that he's Jayden's played. Jaden's a second-year scholar. He can play right wing or, or up front as a striker. Um, he's been scoring goals. Um, technically, there's probably still a bit of work to be done with him, but he works hard, he's quick. Um, as I say, and he's been he's been scoring goals. So, do you reckon he's one that we're likely to see before the season's out? Maybe in senior cup action or something like that. Senior cup, London senior cup, maybe. I think he could be uh, find a place for him in the squad. But I mean, the senior cup is something where we'll be looking to play the fringe players and get get minutes for the first team players who are not getting games at the moment. Um, it's very important, you know. They're training all week. They need to. They need minutes. You can't, you know. It, it must be really tough for a player to work hard all week and then on a Saturday be sitting in the stands and not, you know, not getting in. So, I think yeah, that, that we will be using the senior cup for the fringe players. But there may be a few, you know, um, a few of the younger players being blooded in as well. And. Um we talk about obviously the youth alliance, and and up until uh, two games ago, the um, the O's under 18 hadn't won a game in the youth alliance, and now won back to back. They were uh, victorious yesterday, as I say, um, a two-one. Uh, they were playing against um, Cambridge. Oh no, sorry, last weekend was against Cambridge United, Northampton. Uh, yesterday, Jaden Phillips and uh, Amin Benyusef um, scoring the uh, goals for the O's. Um, we always talk about development versus victories but um, we hear that, that the under 18s have had a lot of injuries this season uh, this time yeah. as well has, has this return to form come at the sort of the same time as a lot of guys there, coming back there have been injuries uh, there's also been lads like Hector he's been out on loan Alfie Fleming was out on loan at Stainstown for a short period um, so they were, they were the under 18s were a young under 18s and they had probably three or four under 16s playing up so, um, so again, it's good for their development. Um, we've had, I've had a young lad, first-year scholar, Will Sanders, who unfortunately got an ACL, which is, uh, you know, so bad luck, you know, for a lad of that age, you know, just starting on his, like, professional career and to pick up an injury, like, you know, months into his first season. It's, you know, it's, it's tough, tough on the lad. But, um, but he's had his up now, so... Hopefully, he'll, you know, he'll make a good recovery. And with, uh, obviously, you say there's plenty of other great little players around, and there's there's players that you're obviously looking at lower down than even national league level. Yeah, yeah there's we do a lot in the Bostic League, um, so yeah, there, there there are some about. So it's it's, it's quite interesting. Um, you've been very quiet there. <laughs> there's, there's t- I don't want to say too much. No, no, they're, 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 no, no, they're, they're, well, if uh, you talked about um, obviously that you didn't um, look at Charlie Lee yourself, and that was one thing that Martin. But you mentioned obviously you'd watched him. How yeah. did uh, do you have dossiers and dossiers of players around that you've just seen I, I and you keep, keep? I always keep my notes. So even though like we have whatever club I've been at, you have a you have a system that you. You know, file your reports on. Um, I don't get that. Once, once you leave the club, you lose access to that system. But I, I keep all my notes. So, 
Um, so what are we talking? Are we talking folders and folders in just notepads, scruffy notepads. If you can, you know, if any other person can read it, just in my sort of, you know. So if you were looking, if, if you were if you were looking for someone, you'd have to look through all of the pad. There's no there's no system there. There's no system, but I remember games. It's, it's all it's up in the head. Like if, if someone ringed down Martin or Justin, might throw a name at me, and I'll say, and I, I can I can think about. It, I can tell them, you know. You know what I thought of them, where they played, and you know, more often than not, put it that way. So, but I will. I've also got, you know, I collect all my team sheets. I've got folders in the office back at the ground, you know, just on team sheets from the last five seasons. So, and obviously, we're looking at um, January coming up very, very soon. Uh, obviously, you've got maybe sort of two transfer window well no we don't have transfer windows but we use the term transfer window we're looking to in advance we're looking already to what doing next summer or is that very much dependent on what where Orient are next summer there is a little bit of that um, at the moment we obviously we're looking at players we know we have got a list of targets that we're working through um, with promotion in mind so you, you're looking at play not just whether they can get us out of this league but whether they can step up and play in League 2 as well um, so there is there is that also I've got a short list that I presented to Martin which is probably just in key areas key areas that Justin wants um, it's probably about seven names in each position so we're looking we're looking through those players and you know, crossing off names or you know making a stronger case for certain names is there a budget in place as to where Lake Norient would be uh, in terms of the league table come January? Um, you know, if, if they are looking to get into the, you know, the top three and possibly, you know, I think there probably will be three teams challenging for one promotion place. It seems that Salford, Wrexham, and Lake Norient have that little bit more, uh, not least in terms of the depth of squad yeah. than um, the other clubs. If we are going for automatic promotion, would the budget be slightly more ambitious than if we were sort of looking as if we were going to be one of the top seven? Um, I think well, there is there is a budget to strengthen, I believe. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it will be competitive. Uh, it won't be wasteful. It won't you know it won't be a case of keeping up with the Salfords. No. Um, it will be done sensibly. Um, but it's against getting the right type of player. We, we we don't want to sign a player motivated by money. Yeah. We will sign we will sign a player who wants to be and part of a championship winning squad, a promotion winning squad. And last season, Macclesfield certainly didn't have the biggest budget, and there was talk that some uh, months often the, the money was arriving late. Um, so so we heard. And so it wasn't just about um, the budget last season, was it? No, that's right. It's down to good. It's down to good management, good recruitment. Um, but budget helps. And and spirit amongst Definitely. the squad. Yeah, these newbies, these new people coming in, need to fit into that already tight squad. So you know, to um, to give somebody big money and then bring them into that situation and upset others that are are doing a fantastic job at the moment would be a. So, signing the right character is is massively underrated. Um, and underestimated I think it's it's the, the squad we've got a good close close knit squad and you know anyone coming in has to be able to fit into that seamlessly 
And Caroline, the support this season has been fantastic and that must be great for the players. I know that sometimes at home it could be an additional pressure, but particularly away from home, yeah, I can't remember anything like it, particularly the noise we had at AFC Fylde and uh, Eastley recently. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Some of the um, attend the way attendance figures has been you know, amazing. Travelling fans in their hundreds, 630 at at Maidstone and I'm just looking down my list now I've got a list of some of them 541 at Chesterfield fantastic numbers and at home Brisbane, Brisbane Road's just buzzing at the moment the atmosphere is fantastic because I was talking about Joe before the game you know uh, I was like Joe I didn't think we'd sell 4,000 season tickets it's absolutely incredible yeah it is it's a great feeling at the moment I think, may it continue I think Joe calls clean the seats didn't he <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah I think last week it was a perfect example though like on the Tuesday night the fans have travelled down to Eastley on the south coast and then on the Saturday going all the way out to Fylde. I think it was mm-hmm. nearly 500 there. Yeah. And it's a fantastic effort, and especially the home fans as well. But the away, the travelling support has been brilliant all season. And it's a pleasure to go at the moment. It's a pleasure to travel. It's not yeah. even an effort to get up at six in the morning to get on that coach for eight o'clock. There is a pride about the club and, and you must see that as well with your work, Howard. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It goes right through across the road, across Oliver Road into the Trust, and everyone's proud to wear, wear the badge, you know. So, uh, yeah, so long may it continue. I suppose the, the question, and it is a, is a controversial one, and I'm going to leave it to you, Caroline, with a minute left to go to answer it. Mm. Um, Orient went through all the pain. We know about all the pain. Yeah. Does it feel almost worth going through all that pain just for because things seem now yeah. better than sometimes you when, do have when to you go and had back the reset the reset forward, almost but yeah it, obviously certain aspects of it we all wish had never happened and um, it's a shame that we ended up just in such a low position you know non-league after all those years in the league was it 112 112 years in the football league um, that's tragic in a sense for a, for a club like Leighton Orient but I think the only way is up now. What else can we say? You should you line that tune up on your on your turntable right now. Well, there we go. that's how it feels. Well, there we go. We've run out of time, unfortunately, and I'm not um, quick enough to get that on the system. <laughs> um, thank you to my guests for, for tonight. Steve Foster, Howard Gould, Dave Victor and Caroline Birkinshaw. Uh, to Andy Gilson, Paul Golder, Steve Roach, Elliot Byrne uh, for all making the show possible. And to all you out there for listening in, uh, we'll be back next Sunday at 6pm with another edition of The Orient Hour.